Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing this fine Friday morning? I'm here in Allen, Texas, enjoying the mostly humid air here. My name is John Ruddy, and uh, I'm a husband, a father of three, one on the way. I'm a health coach and uh, just an all-around, just average guy with an above-average desire for life. And I just wanted to uh, share a story today. Um, I'm excited to really unpack things that have happened here in the last 10 years, 12 years of my life, and really to pull back the layers of uh, my life and the hopes that you would be able to, um, I don't know, identify a little bit. You know, I think uh, we we don't share our story enough. You know, you, on social media, pe- people tend to share their, their highlight reel, all the great things, all the fun things, all the trips to Disney World, all of the advancements in their career, all of the, you know, anniversaries and special trips and that kind of stuff. Um, and I love that because I love seeing the great things that are happening in people's lives. Um, but too often we look at that and we start to uh, make up these stories in our head about, man, their life must be so great compared to mine. Gosh, you know what? They must have so much money. They probably make, you know, two or $300,000 a year to be able to go on all these trips. Did you see that car that they just bought? I can't believe they can afford something like that. What is wrong with me? And that's really what I want to I, you know, tackle today is the what's wrong with me syndrome that we have because it's easy to look at those things and and you know kind of have some mild satisfaction mild like joy for like hey you did it that's great but then we also have this just icky feeling like oh i'm just not if i were better i could i could do more of these things and so when you stack up all the highlight reels together and you see what all the wonderful things that everybody's doing sometimes it's like everybody is doing all these wonderful things when it's only one thing that they're doing it's just in a row of 25 50 posts (laughs) that you're scrolling past and it's like everybody in the world is doing something more fun and exciting than i am so just i want to i want to do some time traveling today go back about 12 years um because I think as I share my story, I, I hope that um, you will feel a little bit more um, heard, a little bit more um, identifiable, and uh, maybe a little bit more hopeful for where you're going in your life. Because I can say that you know not all of my life has been um, just action-packed, full of adventure, full of fun and excitement. Um, in, in fact, you know, you hear these things about, oh, when you have children, it's the most amazing thing. You know, it's, it's, it's that relationship that you have with your children that really helps you to come, become co- closer to God. <laughs> and I, t- I'm here to tell you, um, the first few years of my, uh, my parenthood was not any, <laughs> anything that I expected. Um, and, and it probably didn't bring me much closer to God, at least it didn't seem to at the time. Um, However, um, I want to go back a little bit further here because um, about 12 years ago, um, I was actually living out my dream. 
you know, I, in college, uh, as soon as I got there, I knew, you know what, I had a special place in my heart for ministry. I really wanted to touch the lives of young people and the lives of people who wanted more. And I knew that, you know, through the church is where I wanted to do this. I had started out in youth ministry years before um, and met up with a pastor friend of mine where I began to lead some worship. Um, and I had, at, the po- at the point that I graduated college, you know, I, I had this thought in my head. No one told me, but I had this thought in my head. You know what, John? Now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to make sure that you don't ever have to move back into your parents' house again, that you have a roof over your head, that you pay all of your bills, all of your insurance, all your things, and it's time to get to work. And so I left ministry at that point, but I had told the pastor, I said, look, I know that one of your desires is to start a church someday, and I'm your man. Whenever you want to do it, I will leave whatever I'm doing. I'm coming with you because I still had that desire in my heart and that and that passion for the adventure that would await that, um, that we could go on together. And so sure enough, about a year and a half after leaving the, the last youth ministry job that I had, I, I got a call from um, Jeff and he said, hey man, I'm going out. We're going to start a church. And, and so I said, I'm in, I'm in. I left it. I left the things that I was doing. Um, he had raised enough money that he was going to to be able to support me um, um, on salary as staff, and um, it was a it was a modest pay, um, but it was it was enough that I could make a move in my life. I left an apartment and and moved into a garage apartment above one of the. Uh, one of the uh, members of the church. And so, you know, I made some sacrifices for this and, and that was, you know, that, that didn't seem like a huge sacrifice to me. I was single. I was just moving into another place. It was a little bit smaller, but that's okay. But through the, the course of three or so years, we poured our blood, our sweat and our tears, our time, our energy, our prayers, our, our, our strength. Um, we, we put walls together in this church. Um, we, we actually went out to the Dallas Museum of Art. We, we knocked out walls there um, in a very um, um, safe and um, preservative manner in order to reuse these walls for our church. And so over the course of time, we were making relationships in, in this little town of Rockwall, um, a little town of fate. And um, we were doing everything that we could to serve the community. And I mean everything. We, we were at all the events, the community events. We were, we were boots on the ground trying to make an impact. And not just an impact for our church and our numbers, but an impact for a community that desperately needs hope. And so when I looked at what I was doing and I visioned in the future of what it would look like, I thought, you know what, we are going to have so many people come to us and say, John, Jeff, how did you do this? How did you develop the concept, the idea for this church? How did you raise up this congregation? What was your strategy for discipleship? How did you, how did you, you know, bring together all the elements that made you a successful church? How did you become so big that you could plant other congregations all over the city, all over the, the, the state, possibly the world? We would have people coming to us and they would, they would, we would be able to pour into them, these pastors and these new pastors that were starting churches all over the world. 
we would be traveling to all of these events and conferences, and we would be using all of our experience, our God-given experience, to pour into the lives of the people who wanted to offer hope to the world. And so as I sat and I, I thought about these things and I, and I dreamt about them and each day going and, and just making all of our efforts to be as faithful as possible to bring people to a place of making a decision for Christ or um, just accepting more of what God has to give because it's my belief that God has an abundant life for us all. It was a shock to me when everything came to an end. It took just about three years for us to open the church and close the church, all because of money. We didn't have enough money to continue, right? And so it was a, it was a tough decision. <laughs> Our decision was either we go forward without the money and just hope on God that he would bring it, which is not, an, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a, have been an unfair um, trek or um, an unfair decision. However, just based on just the setup of the church and what we were allowed to do, what we were not allowed to do, we would have had to leave the denomination we were affiliated with. And, and you know, we're not huge on denominational aff- affiliation, but when they're the ones that are helping to pay the bills and to, um, you know, keep the church running, you know, it's, it's, it's a big part, right? And looking back, I could say to myself, John, you should have just gone for it. You should have just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take the reins. I'm going to go for it. Or I could have even said, you know, Jeff, let's just do it, right? But at that point, we made a decision to close the church and, at, you know, at the same time, try to bring all of these people that we brought on. We, we had about 150 people that we were, we were serving at the time. And, you know, we, we, our heart was to bring them into a relationship with another congregation somewhere close by that they could continue in relationship with the, the Lord. Now, let me just stop right there for a second because, you know, most of my experience— at that time had to do with the church. And I don't know where you come from or what you, what you do. And, you know, I hope by now you haven't tuned me out completely, but my question for you is, have you ever dreamt and pursued something so passionately, so vigorously, and so just, you know, just single-mindedly that at the end, when it didn't work out the way that you thought, when, it, when things came crashing down, everything stopped, came to a complete halt, that you then thought to yourself, man, what happened? I know I did. At this point, I was like, what happened? What did we do wrong? Were we not faithful enough? Were we not smart enough, creative enough? Did we not have the decision-making power to make the right decision to propel our church into the next stage? Did we not have the right people around us? Did we make a mistake in the, the location that we set up our, our, our church? You could ask yourself about any of these things, like for, your, for any business venture that you, you tried or any um, organization that you, you, you tried to be a part of. Okay? The questions often come, and they're all self-incriminating questions. It's like, what did I do wrong? How could I have not seen this coming? How could I have not done this better? This is ridiculous, right? And so for me, I'll say this. It took me to a place that was deeper and darker than I wanted to go. And I allowed myself to go to a place that uh, paralyzed me. 
at least for a while. Because we left that church, I went on, went on to some others that we, we helped and we volunteered in. And as a, as a church staff member, one of the things that I learned is that, you know what, you don't always feel like <laughs> being a Christian. You don't always feel like going to church. You don't always feel like serving. And if we do everything based on our feelings, we might do nothing for a long time. <laughs> but what this did was, is it, it told me, and I made the decision right there that my dreams weren't worth pursuing, that I got it wrong. Maybe I just didn't hear God well enough. Maybe I didn't hear God at all. And so if you're in this space or have been in this space of just humdrum despair and just like, you know what? This is not the life I chose for myself. This is not the way that I would have done it. You know, I left that, um, that time in my life. Um, at, you know, I, during that time, I'd started this you know, part-time job doing consulting. And um, I left the church um, at that time because it closed and started doing the consulting a lot more. And so it took me all over the nation to many, many different offices and, and, and thousands of people, hundreds of doctors that I've worked with. And um, it gave me the opportunity to, to really pour into the lives of people all over the United States, but it just wasn't what I thought it would be. It wasn't the, the avenue or even the industry that I thought it would be. It was something completely different, and it was something that paid the bills. Do you work in a job where it's simply paying the bills, or is it also serving your passion? Or is your passion serving it? right? And the reason I'm telling my story today is because I know a lot of people that they live a life of mediocrity. And that's not my word. I probably would, this would probably be their word, mediocrity in terms of their career, their passions, because we've been told or conditioned or haven't realized how possible it is to live a life of passion. I'm 41 years old. When we started the church, I was 27, I believe. Maybe a little bit younger than that. It's kind of hard to remember my old age. And it lasted three years. So for almost a decade, I've been living this life of surrender. And it wasn't, I I didn't leave thinking to myself, I'll never do anything great again. I didn't leave thinking to myself, well, this is it. I'm just going to throw my arms up. We're just done. I just didn't know where to go. Something inside of me rattled and it's, it, it, it really made me question, is this really what you're supposed to do? Could it be something else? Could it be that you missed the mark? And for those of you who have experienced something like this and you pushed forward, you know, that, that pattern disruption, this was a huge piece of pattern disruption for me. And what I mean by, by that is this. Whether or not you succeed or you don't succeed or, or you come to a place in your career or in your life or in the, the, the process of creating something, when you get to that point where it gets tough, when you get to that point where it looks like it's not going to happen or it's not going to work, that point where the oxygen leaves the room and you, everything fills inside of your chest, this you know, heavy feeling, and you're like, I don't know what to do now. Everything inside of me wants this, but everything that I'm seeing is something else. It's something different. It doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. It's not in my comfort zone. 
Well, I'm here to tell you that everything you want is on the other side of that feeling right there. That pattern disruption is something that's, that it paralyzes people time and time and time and time again. And if you're that person where you ran up to that pattern disruption, you ran up to that wall and you felt just in yourself that I'm just going to crumble under the weight of the pressure of not knowing where to go next or what to do, what the right decision is, or if I'm even going to make it through this, you're not alone. You are not alone. There's so many of us who have retreated into our comfort zones for the sake of our families for the sake of our pride, for the sake of our ego, for the sake of our, our, our just friends, for the sake of our sanity. Because when you look at the people that are doing the things that you want to do and you see what they're doing, we, uh, our brains don't like mystery. I mean, they may li- like it in the sense that they like to figure things out, but we don't like unfilled information. So we make up these stories. Oh gosh, it must've been so easy for them to achieve that. What was it about them that made them so much better than I was? I tried that before, but I couldn't do it. They must have some inside track that I don't know about. And what we don't understand sometimes is that it's actually that they got up to that same pattern disruption that you did, that I did, That same wall, that same feeling, that same just icky, just, oh my gosh. And they pushed through it. Maybe they pushed through it once and they were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can't believe I just did that. How did that happen? And then when they came up to that same feeling in the future, they thought, okay, I felt this last time and I went through it. I wonder what happens if I go through it again. And so some of the most successful people that I know now are people who have really pushed through that pattern disruption. So what, what I'm getting to here is this. Many of us have turned off our dreamers for the sake of normalcy, for the sake of the status, status quo, because we don't want to be seen as um, inept or un, in, you know, incapable. And if we, if we just, you know, swim around here in the middle class or we swim around here and just kind of the whatever the the average of our our community is then we are fine we don't want to be on the bottom of the barrel but the people at the top they they must have had something different they had a they had an upper hand right but the reality is is that when we switch our dreamer back on when we focus on the things that we want we actually can achieve them. You know, I was told at a very young age, John, you can do anything you want. You probably were told the same thing. Oh, son, you can do anything you want. Daughter, you can do anything you want. Girl, you got this, right? And so we, we, we have these various, various experiences that, you know, we, we put together and we're like, oh, I did it, I did it, I did it. And then one day we didn't, right? Maybe you were never told that. Maybe you were always told, what you know what, you better stop dreaming right now because your lot in life is getting a job, nine to five, and you better hope for a good wage, right? 
people don't really like dreamers. The problem is, is that it's not that they don't like dreamers. They just don't like dreaming. And the reason they don't like dreaming is because they never have achieved anything they've wanted. So my question today is, what are the dreams that you gave up so that you could live a life of status quo? So you could live the life you have now. And, and let me just say this. When I look back at these last 10 years, I don't regret anything. I could say that I turned my dreamer off. But everything that I've done in these past 10 years in order to get to where I am now, it's led me there. And it's, real, it's, it's very possible I could have gone or you know, come to where I am now much sooner had I been open, had I been ready, had I you know, made the right relationships, had just any number of reasons why I would have gotten here sooner. And I'm not sitting here telling you that you should begrudge your life, that you should look at your life and say, oh, this sucks. This is not good enough. This is awful. Okay. What I am suggesting is, is that there's something better out there. And I think you know what it is. Each of us have a desire in our hearts for something more. And sometimes we bury that inside. We just put it just so far deep down in our souls, because if we ever said it, then we would have to, we would have to just realize and accept the fact that we haven't gotten it, that maybe we're failures, that maybe we're not good enough to get it. And what I, what I have come to realize in my older age here is that, you know what? It takes a lot. It takes a lot of work to get to the, to where we want to go. You don't just happen upon your dreams. You're not going to say, Hey, you know what? I want to have a million dollars or Hey, you know what? I'd like to start an organization that touches the lives of you know millions of people. You don't just say that and then boom, wake up and it happens. You have to take the first step. And a lot of places where, where a lot of us fail is we fail to take that first step. We take, sometimes we take it thinking that that first step is going to get us everywhere we want to go. And we, we fail to take the second step and the third step and the fourth step. Every time we get a no, it's not a no, not ever. It's a no, not yet. There's an obstacle that's in the way. But let me tell you this. The obstacle is the way. There is nothing that you're going to do that's simple, that's easy, that's just going to come so fluidly that you don't have to put any effort toward it. But the dreams that you have are worth fighting for. And so for those of you who have turned off your dreamer and you're sitting there going, man, I can't even think of one thing that I would want. I mean, I ask people all the time, what do you want? They have no idea. Again, because they buried that dreamer because they're like, I I wouldn't even want to tell you what I want because I couldn't ever have it. What do you want? Write it down. Tell someone. Tell someone you love, someone who loves you. Let's start there. (laughs) But be open to dreaming again. Because there is a world out there, there is a life out there for you that you can achieve, that you can pursue that you can have fulfillment. I am now living the life of purpose that I have been searching for for 10 years. And I'll say this, it didn't come to me the way that I thought it would. You know, it actually came through my wife, which I might've expected that, but she went on a journey for her own health. 
that I thought, well, this is her journey. This is her thing. This is what she does. I'm a dental consultant. I got to get to business. I got bills to pay. I got things to do. And it was only until I allowed myself to really explore, well, what is this, what does this new opportunity have for me? That I realized that this has been the vehicle that I have been wanting to touch the lives of thousands of people since I was 20 years old. This is the vehicle that's going to give me the opportunity to pour into people's lives in a way that is beneficial to them. You see, I don't want to just get up and, and stand up and talk at people. And I hope that if you're listening to this, that you can at least resonate with some of my story, not because I need you to resonate with my story. I don't need that. But I think some of you need to hear that there are other people that have struggled in the same manner that you have. And you may have struggled much worse than me. So don't, don't hear me saying that I understand everything that you have that's been going on in your life. But I am convinced no matter where you are. And the reason I'm convinced is because I've met many, many people of all walks of life. People have been, who have been down and out, who have dealt with disease or disease of loved ones or have had abusive relationships um, or have you know, been left with their children with no options, no job, no money, no nothing. I've met these people who have overcome insurmountable odds to create a life of abundance because as I mentioned earlier, I believe that God has a life of abundance for us all. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus and you believe his words when he says, I come to give you a life of abundance, then then he's either a liar <laughs> or he's exactly right. He's giving that to us. And so I, I hope to unpack that, that word abundance in some of my later podcasts, because it's not about the money. We make it about the money. We're like, well, we don't have money. I don't have enough money to buy a car. I don't have money to, to pay my rent. I don't it's not about the money. It's a mindset. Let me, l- let me give you a test. Okay. Maybe you, you give this test to somebody else. You ask them how they're doing right? On any given day, we have the opportunity to look at all the positive things that are going in our lives, or we can look at all the negative things that happen in our lives. And wouldn't you know it, the most people look at the negative? Usually, how are you doing starts with, oh, I'm busy. Oh, so busy. Got to take kids here. Got to do this. Got to take, you know, you got this job here. Got to go that job there, right? You wouldn't believe what my boss said the other day. You wouldn't believe the, the, the stupid customers I have to deal with. It's all the negative stuff, right? And wouldn't you know it that the people that you admire most sometimes, the people that, that you want to be around the most are the most positive people because they're not looking at that. Where is your focus? So step one in, in, in awakening your dreamer might just be looking at what is positive and asking yourself, what is good about my situation. If your first word is nothing, try again. Because if the only thing is good in your life is that you're breathing, start there. Okay, I'm breathing. (sighs) That's the good thing. All right. How's my belly? I've got food in my belly. Okay, that's the second good thing right? But really start to write down and look for the good things in your life because I promise you they exist even in the muck, the mire, 
the pit. Sometimes we make our own pit. We make our own hell on earth because we are so determined that we deserve something better that we're never going to get. So I don't know where you are. I, I hope that most of you are not in that space right there. But even if you have created this hell on earth that is just a humdrum, mediocre life that you're just like, okay, well, it's good enough. You know, the kids don't hate me. I've got a decent job. I don't like my boss, but he's not going to fire me. I make a decent income, but we don't have enough money to go to Disney World. We're in, you know, $50,000 worth of debt. We have to buy a car. You know, if, if that's where you are, I invite you right now, start looking at the good. Because as you start to look at the good, you can start believe and you can start to dream about what else is good is out there. And sometimes we just need that one win. And I'll, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. Okay. Um, for years I had been packing on pounds and I, nobody was ever going to tell me that I needed to lose weight. And this is not a, this is not a weight loss. Hey, you know, you need to, you need to get out there and lose weight. But I, I, I became 45 pounds overweight and everything I did with my kids was a chore. Everything I did, you know, on the plane or just, you know, getting dressed and and that kind of stuff, all my clothes were fitting tighter. Um, my wife and I both struggled with our weight. Um, although I just, I just never really made it important for me to change, but wouldn't you know it that I changed one thing. She started first. I followed. And as the pounds came off of my body, I began to dream again because I thought I never thought I'd be able to achieve this one thing. I wonder what else I'm capable of. You are capable of so much. Sometimes it takes just changing one thing, having one win. And I hope for you in writing down the things that you are positive about or things that are good in your life, that you can see what's one thing that I could win at. And as you win at that, that your mind is opened up to just the abundance that God has for you. Um, And I can't wait to hear all about it. So you guys have a great day today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Uh, Once again, my name is John Ruddy, and I just love sharing this story. You have a great day.